This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. A couple weeks ago, the CBS show 60 Minutes doing a story on the importance of sports in the country of Saudi Arabia right now. You've probably seen stories about the big money paid to soccer star Cristiano Ronaldo and then the rumored big offer to Lionel Messi. Other athletes have been receiving big money offers in the country trying to build up its profile in the sporting world on a variety of fronts, like the Live Tour, tennis, boxing, even some of the Olympic sports. But it is also a country that still has many concerns around human rights abuses and more. That was the uh, focus of a story done by our next guest, John Wertheim, who is a Sports Illustrated's executive editor and senior writer. He's also a correspondent for 60 Minutes and, by the way, just happens to be a UPenn Law School graduate. And great to have him on the show. John, pleasure to have you with us. Thanks for your time today. Oh, you got it. Good to be here. How are you? Thank you. Let's start with what was it that drew you to want to do this story in the first place? Well, I, I think what we really wanted to do was go to Saudi Arabia. We'd heard, you know, for, for years we've heard about sports washing. It, it seemed to really sort of uh, pick up traction in 2022, first with the with the Winter Olympics in China and then the World Cup in Qatar. And we wanted and live, live golf, of course, the whole time. But our goal was to, what, what does this look like on the ground? I mean, it's sort of easy to talk about sports washing from afar, but what was the sports scene in, in Saudi Arabia? What does it actually look like? So uh, sort of our, our mission was to go, go to the mountain, sort of see sports washing uh, up close in person in Saudi Arabia. And so this seemingly is is kind of a, a, a planned out pattern that the uh, leadership of, of Saudi sports has in terms of, you know, kind of focusing on a lot of these different areas and to see uh, how much uh, influence and impact that they can have uh, in these areas as they move forward. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think their their framing was, undeniably we are heavily invested in sports, but this isn't about our image. This isn't about our sort of international appeal. This is about making the young population of Saudi Arabia healthier and more physically fit and bringing them sports up close in person. They shouldn't have to just watch WWE on, on their phones and on, and on their TVs. They should be able to see the show up close in person. So they, they didn't really officially buy this idea that they were using sports to to transcend and some would say sort of uh to launder the country's image but i I think it's it's pretty obvious from all other indications that that's that's what's going on here this is part of a much bigger plan in saudi arabia to diversify the economy to prepare for a life when we don't need oil and and fossil fuels aren't uh, what they are today and sports obviously figures really prominently in that so I would imagine that the the availability of sports and and the the fact that the public can get involved even more so, or they can go to events. Uh, I know you talked with a, a, a couple of people there. Uh, one being a boxing coach who was able to go see a professional boxing match, a woman, and that wouldn't have been allowed several years ago. So there are elements of culture that have changed, and so it's. It, it, you're you're trying to get a sense, I guess, of where things are kind of going here at the moment and in the future, correct? Yeah, and I mean, no doubt an offshoot of this was, hey, kids get to watch boxing up close in person, and now they get to watch Cristiano Ronaldo. When we were there, there was a golf event and a tennis event and judo. Sports, Saudi Arabia has never won an Olympic gold medal, so part of this is uh, 
to sort of boost performance. But but it also it you know it, it's hard not to ignore the fact that this fits into a larger plan for the country. And whether it's live golf or whether it's buying a Premier League team, there were reports that Saudi Arabia was kicking the tires and looking to hook up with a group that was going to put in a bid for the Washington Commanders. I mean, it is clear that these ambitions of sports, they, they go beyond, hey, look, isn't it cool there's a heavyweight fight uh, that we can drive to. Um, and sports have a, a lot of appeal. They're, they're a great way to sort of draw interest in, in your country. Um, athletes, we, we've seen this, uh, athletes will, will come to you. There's yeah. a lot going on here that I think goes beyond the, the young population of Saudi Arabia now can get motivated and stay healthy and watch WWE up close and in person. Part of this also kicked off with the World Cup last year with Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. And certainly soccer's a sport that that country and, and a lot of European countries or countries around the globe uh, have uh, you know really had in their back pocket for such a long period of time. And then to see their national team go out and beat Argentina and Lionel Messi, who ended up winning the World Cup, that that just kind of fuels that growth, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's that's something they can point to and have pointed to to us and said, hey, hey look, it's working. Only one team beat Argentina in the World Cup. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't France and it wasn't the U.K. and it wasn't one of these traditional powerhouses. It was us, Saudi Arabia. Um and, you know, it's, it's interesting that happened at the World Cup in, in a neighboring country. I mean, I think Saudi Arabia would like to host the World Cup themselves in, in, uh, in, in, you know, in 2030. So, it's, I mean, I, I think the, the one thing that really struck me, though, was just that traditional balance sheets just don't seem to matter. And we see this with live golf, and we see this with, you know, I, I was at a tennis event where there were very few you know, Penn Tennis probably drew a comparable crowd, and yet the winner of this event got a million dollars. We think of sports in this country as at some level it's got to make financial sense, right? When people right. spend $6 billion on an NFL team, why is that? Well, because media rights and franchise valuations and ticketing and sponsorship and suites and hospitality and the, the real estate around the stadium, we put a traditional business analysis and evaluation, and, and that's how we come up with this valuation. Um, at least in Saudi Arabia, that just didn't seem to hold. I mean, you cannot justify on a balance sheet the fact that, you know, these live golfers, some of them are making in excess of $100 million. You, you can't yeah. justify paying $200 million to a soccer player unless your balance sheet is not the traditional one with, you know, with, with, with profits and losses unless it's yeah. part of a much, much bigger picture about developing a country. Especially when something like Live Golf uh, barely has a TV contract. Uh, exactly. And the, the, the contract that it does have is not really one that's drawing a lot of uh, – I mean, I know they've had Live Golf events on. We haven't seen them here in Philadelphia on, on any TV station. So, I, you know, I don't know how they expect to keep it profitable if you can't have that, that drawing card. Yeah, unless the profit is, is not sort of the, the week-to-week or year-to-year profit, unless the profit fits into a much more macro analysis about Saudi Arabia and its economy and, and tourism. And, again, this is part of a much bigger play than you could justify it. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that there are golfers making in excess of $100 million of live golf. Guys going out and playing 54 holes and winning more than – you know, Don Rom won for winning the Masters, um, yeah. and their TV deals with the CW. It just, you know, it just doesn't. 
back of the envelope math, it just doesn't make sense. Okay, Ronaldo gets $200 million a season, but how much has that upped the the interest in soccer in Saudi Arabia, even in these first few months? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Again, the traditional U.S. sports, you know, Wharton, what you and I do, we, we would look at this and we would look at, uh, we'd look at ratings and we'd look at attendance and we'd look at engagement. It, unless this is not about putting, you know, putting butts in the stands or improving ratings, unless this is about a much bigger play of softening Saudi Arabia's image or of considering Saudi Arabia in a new light as a tourist destination, um, that $200 million is really difficult to justify doing yeah. the kind of analysis that uh, here in the U.S. we would traditionally do with a sports admin. Well, I, I would assume then that if, you know, we saw with the World Cup in Qatar uh, that not only did you have the games there and they built the stadiums, but their part, a big part of the advertising was come to Qatar as a vacation destination, that you would think that Saudi Arabia is is probably not even in the process of thinking about, but they probably already do have some sort of plans in place to try and get the World Cup in their country in the years in the future. Yeah, what we uh, what, what we kept hearing was that there was going to be a mixed bid with Egypt and Greece in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia was going to put up uh, the, the bulk of the revenue there and put up do, do the bulk of the investment there, but it would be a way to bring World Cup soccer to Saudi Arabia. Um, again, I mean, you, you talked about the World Cup in Qatar. I mean, more than $200 billion was reportedly spent on that. Yep. Um, the Paris Olympics are coming next summer. Paris is spending $4 billion. So, uh, again, I mean, Paris has a much different analysis. They're not trying to bring – this isn't necessarily about making Paris a, a legitimate tourist destination. They've done that already. Paris doesn't need to bring you – know, they don't need to build stadiums and roads. But, I mean, it just sort of shows you the dollar amounts we are – talking about um you know 200 billion dollars for a world cup that might bring in five percent of that in revenues um i I, you sort of wonder how conventional countries are going to be able to compete at least from a dollar and cents standpoint and 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 yet this whole uh the 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 issue that saudi arabia has been linked to is even tied to uh jamal khashoggi uh you know some of the other things that have been out there obviously the the human rights abuses uh, the concerns that women uh, about women in the country for many many years uh, these are things that that I guess to a degree the Saudi government just kind of pushes to the side yeah I mean I, I think um, again they they would not cop to this but I think if you if you look at this objectively I think that the question becomes are, are there enough of these distractions are there enough of these investments going on where, some of the human rights abuses, you mentioned the murder of a journalist, if, if that won't be papered over by, hey, look, Bruno Mars and the WWE are coming to town and we might be hosting the World Cup and we our soccer team beat Argentina and we've uh, shooting shooting for a gold medal at the next Olympics. Um, I mean, the one thing I did notice in Saudi Arabia, think things do indisputably seem to be liberalizing and women have yeah. more rights today than they did just a few years ago. I mean, things do seem to be heading in the right direction. Um, the question is just, you know, is, is enough being done? What are the real motivations here and how comfortable are athletes going to feel co- competing in this country and taking money from this country? Well, and, and of course, once you've kind of been down the road 
and had some events occur that are questionable, it's very hard to shake that image no matter how much you change things in the years ahead. Those events, those negatives always will come back at you down the road. Yeah, I mean, but the, the flip side of that is sort of once you've staged a World Cup in Qatar and we talked in advance of the World Cup about the human rights abuses there and the criminalizing homosexuality and the abuses on, on the migrant workers that had come to build the stadium, and then the game started and everybody wanted to talk about Messi and Mbappe and, and France. We, we had Olympics in China, and then the run-up, there was a lot of talk about censorship and surveillance in this authoritarian country, and then we get caught up in who wins what medal. And you could say, listen, once we've had an Olympics in China, we've now had two in the last, you know, seven years. Once, once you've had uh, two Olympics in China and a World Cup in Qatar, you know, is if we have a big event in Saudi Arabia, is anybody really going to be bothered? How You mentioned about there, there kind of being a little bit of a history in terms of this this concept of sports washing, and I guess this is something that has gone on over the course of time in different forms, but still, you know, using sports as kind of a way to be able to cover over other other concerns. Oh, I mean, this goes back thousands of years. I mean, we sort of have have this, uh, you know, this, this whole notion of, of bread and circuses and uh, whatever the abuses of, of the Roman state, people go to the Colosseum and they get to watch chariot races and gladiators and they'll be distracted i mean the example often gets thrown around too is the uh, you know the, the the berlin olympics in 1936 when hitler was able to show off nazi germany and it sort of became this this great display of, of nazi triumphalism and come visit our beautiful city and you'll see things aren't that bad this idea of using sports uh, the positive associations everything symbolically that it represents um this, this is the, using sports to sort of wash over bigger abuses is, um, is, is nothing new at all. I, I think I'll, I'll end on this. I think it becomes, you know, even more important as to the point we are now and, and the things that have occurred there in Saudi Arabia as to where it's going to go in the years ahead around sports, around culture, around life there. As you said, if there is a belief that the oil industry money is not going to be as prevalent, uh, in the years ahead as it is right now, you know, because of some of the shifts going on around uh, around electric energy and the importance of, uh, of those components moving ahead. Yeah, and the flip side of this, you, you could also take a, a, a much more positive, uh, you know, a, a much more sort of optimistic view is, listen, as these countries liberalize and as athletes come and go and the world see these countries and the economy, as you say, shifts away from oil, if sports can be this this lever to to liberalize these countries and uh, to perhaps bring democracy one day. Hey, that's great. Um, I mean, there there is a way to, to flip this and say, listen, if sports can be this this engine to uh, bring these countries forward and to imbue yeah. the population with with more rights and perhaps bring democracy, maybe some good comes out of this. But. Um, you know, again, what, what we saw in Saudi Arabia was a country that's socially, culturally, I mean, undeniably making progress. I mean, again, yeah. the, the much more open society than it was. The money being thrown around is just absolutely staggering. I mean, again, we saw players making more money for a weekend tennis exhibition than they do at these, these big tournaments on the tennis tour um, with, with very few 
you know, little television coverage, few fans on the stand. I mean, some athletes are making a lot of money because of this, uh, because of this trend. And I think that the big question is, uh, are sports driving change or sports being used to cover up bad acts? George Steinbrenner might be rolling over in his grave with all the money that's being thrown around in Saudi, in Saudi Arabia right now. Hey, John, thanks very much for your time. All the best. Uh, great job on this. Thank you. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks. Thank you. John Wertheim, uh, who is uh, Sports Illustrated's executive editor and senior writer and uh, also correspondent for 60 Minutes. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.